We're, uh, I said this last week, I'll say it again. I heard Netanyahu, uh, Prime Minister of Israel, say that they were people of the book. People of the book. I'd never heard a Jew say that, much less the Prime Minister of the country. He said, we're people of the book. And I thought, we're people of the book. That describes us well. Someday Israel is going to recognize Jesus as the Messiah. The Bible says they'll be saved as in a day. For they're just a little ways away from understanding Jesus is their Messiah just by faith in him. What a day that will be. We'll be there, by the way, born-again believers. We'll be around. We're going to be around forever. I want to talk to you about heaven, part three. Heaven, part three. Part one was we will worship in heaven without distraction. Wow. There's a lot of things that hold back our worship now. Part two was we will fellowship in heaven without division. Because, man, there's a lot of division. Even husbands and wives. I've done enough marriage counseling to tell you there's division between husbands and wives. You know, I like this color, my wife likes another. How many men would say amen to that? I've just learned to appreciate the difference rather than to fight it. If you fight it, you lose it all. You just got to accept it, you know. I don't know why my wife doesn't have better taste. (laughs) She picked me, so I suppose that means something, right? (laughs) If her mom and dad knew who I was, they would have told her, run! You really want to go to heaven. If you ask the average person on the street, they'll say, yes, I have done lots of surveys, lots of surveys through some almost 50 years, actually over 50. Surveys, if you died, where would you go? And people will say heaven, somewhere in the 80, 90% range. Now, they have no unearthly idea why they would be allowed to go to heaven. I mean, they got some guesstimation where maybe they're good enough or they've tried to help an old lady across the street whether she wanted to go or not. They've given a few dollars to some charitable organization. I mean, you come up with real standard answers. In fact, there actually is eight standard answers when you ask a person, when you die, where will you go? And they say heaven. There's about eight standard reasons why they think they're going to go there. They say yes. I ask a question. Why then is there so little preparation done in this life for the one that is to come? If you believe in heaven, and you believe heaven's forever, And you know this life is not forever. I mean, how many in this room believe you're going to die? Raise your hand. No, don't. Got the rest of you lying. But anyway, 
People say, I want to be raptured, preacher. Well, I am for you on that. I'm, I'm voting for it. But if, you, if the rapture doesn't come in our time, you, nobody gets out of this life alive. Nobody. You're going somewhere. You know it. Now, you may not know why you know it, but it's intuitive. Why is there so little planning about heaven? I mean, I just get amazed when I talk to people door to door and I say, where are you going to die? Where are you going to go? And they say, well, I hope to go to heaven. Have you made any provision for it? Have you read the Bible, the most holy book in the world, the most printed book in the world, the most distributed book in the world, the most copied book in the world? Uh, have you even read the book? Well, I, 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 no. The truth of it is no. Heaven is somehow or another intuitive. There's very few people I meet to say when they die, they die. I had a, a few people say they die like a dog. First of all, they don't know how a dog dies. But they say when they mean by die like a dog, what they're trying to say to me is that they die and their consciousness ceases to exist. They, as a person in their consciousness, their soul, their spirit, cease to exist. They go into the not, Netherlands, uh, not the Netherlands, excuse me. Narnia. I was talking to Chris Barrows one time, and we were talking about spiritual things, and he said, yeah, something about Middle Earth. I go, man, there is no Middle Earth. You've been watching them Narnia movies a little bit too much or whatever. There's no Middle Earth. There is something under the Earth, so I'll give you that. But it's intuitive. When you look around, historically, you look around, just look around the world. You see all these pyramids in Peru, thousands of pyramids. Many of them hidden under the jungle, never even been uncovered. There was a group of people that built those. I mean, when you know, it's, you know, you have the, this happen, it causes this to happen. I mean, the pyramids testified to a group of people that believed that they needed to make some sort of reconciliation to some sort of God before they died. Now, they were wrong in what they were doing, and, but they understood the tuition, intuitively that they were going to die and meet a God that they had to make reparations. You talk about reparations. They had to, make, they had to have their, somehow their sins and wrongdoings forgiven. Of course, we know how that was done in Christ. Deep down in their heart, they know there's a heaven. They know there's something after this life. <clears throat> I've been to automobile accidents, some very serious, some fatal automobile accidents. I've held a, a man's he a head in my hand when he was, he broke his neck and he, he, was, he couldn't breathe. So I had to pick his head up. I didn't know how much a head weighed. Head weighs like a bowling ball, man. A 16-pound bowling ball. I picked this boy's head up so he could breathe. And when I picked his head up, he could breathe. But when I let it down, he couldn't breathe. So I'm sitting there like this, trying to, Stick this up, the blood running down my arm. I heard these people cry. Oh, God. Oh, God. God, save me. Now, I don't think from sounding of, of listening to them, they hadn't talked to God a lot. Don't wait to talk to God. When you are in an automobile accident, you can hear the battery shorting out to the 
frame and you smell gasoline. Don't wait then to cry for mercy. Do it today. When you're in a good mind and your good body and you can cry out and ask Jesus to be your Savior and forgive you of all your sins, he's paid for them. He's paid for them. So today, the third part of heaven is we're going to continue to learn in heaven. We're going to learn more about each other and personal friendships in heaven. This will not be a type of learning that involves sexual or sensual type love. That's here on earth. That's not in heaven. Matthew twenty two thirty says, For in the resurrection neither married nor given in marriage, but are as the angels of God in heaven. Sexual love is really a form of intimacy or knowing each other on a new level. In Genesis 2.24, God said this would cause Adam and Eve to be one flesh when this happened. Now, I'd be honest with you, that's still a mystery. But something, when a man and woman get married and join together physically, there's something supernatural happens to them, and they become one flesh. That's why God does not want promiscuity. He wants you to have one woman for life. One man for life, because when you join together, the two somehow or another become one flesh. It's a serious teaching in Scripture. You can look at it. That's not one of my. That's not today. It describes in the Bible husbands and wives knowing each other. Genesis four one, and Adam knew. Interesting word. It's not accidental. Every word of God is inspired. God breathed. It's put in the right order. He said, Adam knew his wife Eve, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I've gotten a man from the Lord. There's something about knowing that happens when you get married and have that type of intimacy. In heaven, we will know each other in other ways, not possible here. I look through the Bible, and I see when in the New Testament, the Gospels especially, I see demons seem to have some ability to recognize the Lord Jesus, though his outward appearance absolutely did not indicate who he was. Jesus' outward appearance did not indicate in any manner, in fact, I think, to be honest with you, his, his, his appearance went the other way. This man could not be the Son of God. Bible says there's no beauty that we should desire. He, I don't believe he was a good-looking man. I don't believe that he had a perfectly, you know, uh, uh, atlas-looking body. I think he was so average. He was just average guy. He was not recognizable outwardly, but the demons somehow could recognize him. The gathering maniac we see in Matthew chapter 8, verse 29. Behold, they cried out, these demons, saying, What have we to do with thee, Jesus, Thou Son of God, that's deity, art thou come hither to torment us before the time? They knew their fate. How did they know that? We see in Luke, in Mark chapter 1, verse 34, it says, And he healed many that were sick and divers diseases and cast out many devils, and suffered not the devils to speak. Why? Because they knew him. It was that word knew him. They knew who he was. These demons somehow had a sixth sense that we do not have. It happened again, and interesting, it happened to Peter, James, and John 
in Luke chapter 9, verse 28, 36, at Mount of Transfiguration, when those three boys went up with Jesus, I'll, start, I'll pick it up in verse 33 of Luke 9. It says, And it came to pass, as they departed from him, Peter said unto Jesus, Master, it is good for us to be here. Let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elijah, or Elias, not knowing what he said. How did he know that those two men that were speaking with Jesus were Moses and Elijah? He never obviously saw them. They did not have film or pictures like we do. They were many uh, thousands of years. I mean, Moses was 1,400 years dead. How did he know? There's an intuitiveness, an understanding in heaven about knowing each other that we do not have here. We're not, and God, thank God for it. We're, we're too evil to have it. Indications from the word appear interesting in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 10, where it talks about the Christian judgment. There's, two, there's at least two separate judgments. For the born-again believers, we come under the, Lord, the judgment seat of Christ, and we're not judged for our sins, but we're judged for our deeds done by our works. What did you do with the light you've been given? You've had this Bible at your disposal. Have you read it? That's going to be judged. You were able to talk and witness. Did you use it? You had a church to go to. Did you help it? And those are the kinds of things, you know. There will be many more that will be judged for. Well, in this verse in 2 Corinthians 5.10, it says, We must all, and that's Paul talking, we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he had done, whether it be good or bad. I looked up the Greek word for appear. It means to render apparent, to make manifest. It's the, it's the idea of the greatest and most complete publicity possible. It's the most public event possible, the judgment seat of Christ. Paul indicated this uh, transparency in 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 12. For now we, through, we see through a glass darkly, but then face to face. Now I know in part. Paul knew a lot. But then shall I know even as I am known. So in heaven, we're going to have a new kind of ability to recognize each other and to actually know each other. What keeps us from knowing each other intimately now? Well, number one, our sin. Our sinful nature is too destructive, too evil for us to get too close together. And I'll, I'll mention this a little later here. You say, well, not me, Brother Bill. Oh, oh yeah, you. We recognize our saved ones in heaven with this knowledge. We recognize our, my mom and dad are by the grace of God are in heaven. I have uh, grandpa and grand, grandma, grandpa in heaven on one side. I've got Harry McKinney in heaven. I've worked with for 11 and a half years. I'm looking forward to seeing him. I've got Dick Carr's in heaven. Don Woodard, by the grace of God, is in heaven. I can go through a whole list. I buried about around 200 people here at the gospel through the years that I believe were saved people. And they're in heaven. You've got people in heaven. Will you recognize them in heaven? Why not? Why not? On the deepest level, 
Let's speak about your mother. Did all of you have mothers? You know, that's a, that's a question, right? It's a deep question. All of you had mothers. You don't have to think long about it. You had a mother. You had a mother. Some woman went to the depths of birth for you. And then she nurtured you and cherished you. I was going to bed the other night, and I told my wife, I miss my mama. You know, the older I get, the more childlike I'm becoming. I'd just like to hug my mom one time, give her a kiss on the cheek, and say thank you for taking care of me when I couldn't take care of myself. I had a good mom. But on the deepest level, was your mother dear to you because of the way she looked? No. Didn't we love the essence of the person? It was who she was. It was something you actually couldn't see. You couldn't really grasp it, but you knew what it was. In heaven, all three of all three body, soul, and spirit will be preserved for eternity. First Thessalonians five twenty three says, "The very God of peace sanctify you wholly." And I pray, God, your whole spirit, your whole soul, and your whole body be preserved blameless under the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. Glory to God! You're going to have a new body. Praise the Lord! I'll have a new life. I'm going to have a new body. Uh, the sinless, like unto His glorious body. I'm going to have my soul and my spirit, which are already cleansed under the blood of Christ, will join together with that new body. It's called in the Bible, Romans 8, the adoption of sons. We're going to be finally fully complete in him. And we're going to be able to know each other on a level that we have no concept now. There will be no reason, there will be no reason it cannot be. There is now, but there won't be then. So you're going to know in heaven, you're going to learn in heaven. Boy, because of our sinful natures, we cannot get too close here. I told you I was going to give you an illustration of this. Here it is. We have a lot of migratory birds this time of year. Have you seen the crows lately go by? I mean, I bet 35, 40, 50,000 crows flew past the church. They just kept coming and coming, and they're big. And we have migratory finches. We have migratory blackbirds. We have migratory birds of all kinds. I think we have migratory doves also. We have a lot of migratory birds come here for the winter. Can't you? And you can't blame them. That's why we call you people from up north snow birds. They're smart. The geese are smart enough to go south. Are you? But it amazes me when I see these birds, they like our wires. Evidently, electric wires must put off some heat. I'm not sure about that, but I'm not going to go up there and grab one. But I think the wires must put some sort of a heat off or warmth off because they like to get on those wires. And do you notice when they get on the wires, they, they give each other some room? They, I, looked at, I, I spent some time now, because I wanted this illustration, I spent some time looking at birds on a wire. And they leave, it's, it's almost mathematically impossible, but it looks like the space between them, like they got a measuring tape. You're too close. 
It's called pecking distance. They, they're just far enough away they can't peck each other. And that's why you and I need to stay away from each other a little ways too. I hate to say it, but we're so bad in this old flesh that if we get around each other too tight, too long, it's been said familiarity breeds contempt. That will not be in heaven. Familiarity will not breed contempt in heaven. Closeness will not breed contempt in heaven. We're going to be able to know each other in a way that God's got for us. Woo! We will learn in heaven as never before. Our learning ability I am now compared to heaven is childlike compared to heaven. 1 Corinthians 13, 11 says, When I was a child, I spake as a child, understood as a child. I thought as a child, but when I became a man, I put away childish things. But in the next verse, he says, that verse I've already quoted, for I, now I see through a glass darkly, but then face to face, I know in part now, but then I shall know even as I am known. So he's saying, I'm, I'm, I'm like a child now compared to what the Lord's going to allow me to be. They say they only use about a tenth of your brain. Some people may use 5%. I mean, some, some, once in a while we run across a guy called, or a woman called a savant. That is, they have no social skills and they can't be around other people, but they can play the piano like you can't even believe it, or they can play the organ like you can't even believe it. But their social skills are about zero. I'm not referring to our pianist or organist, of course. But I mean, savants sometimes mathematically can, unbelievable, they can, they can add big long numbers up. They memorize phone numbers and everything else. Just to sh I think God does that just to show us this is what you could be if I turned a little switch on. But in heaven, we're going to be able to know, and we're going to be able to know way more. In fact, so much better than now. The things of this earth are childish compared to the knowledge we're going to be able to have in heaven. Will we know everything? No. No. Even angels seek to know things. We know that from 1 Peter chapter uh 1, verse 11 and 12, I'll read it. It says, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ which is in them did signify, when it, this is about the prophets, when it testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ and the glory that shall follow. The prophets, Isaiah, he, he wrote Isaiah 53. Woo! Who did he write that for? Not himself, he really wrote it for us so that when Christ came, you could go to Isaiah 53 and read it and you could say, this sounds like Jesus Christ, the Messiah that was to come. And Isaiah 53 is called the forbidden chapter because a lot of the Jewish rabbis tell their people, don't read Isaiah 53 because if you read Isaiah 53 and you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, you're going to see there's a correlation between those two. This is one of the same person. He says, unto whom it was revealed that not unto themselves, that's Isaiah and the prophets, but unto us they did minister the things which are now reported unto you by them that have preached the gospel unto you with the Holy Ghost sent down from heaven, which things angels desire to look into. We got a salvation that the angels are curious about. When an old drunkard, been in every jail from here to Georgia, here's the gospel. 
repents of his sin and asks Jesus to save him, God cleans him up. He was a horrible dad, a horrible husband, makes him a good dad, a good husband. He was a horrible worker, makes him a good worker. The angels go, how'd that happen? What's going on here? And God, God often, often saves the worst of people. The angels go, wow. What is that about? They, we're going to learn in heaven. We'll continue to learn in heaven. I'm going to give you a, what I call my funnel illustration. Picture with me a funnel. This is the top side of the funnel. And as the funnel goes, it goes to a narrow place down here. Now, we're down here. This is a funnel of knowledge, a funnel full of knowledge. Okay, down here is our knowledge here. But the more you learn as a child, you're like this right here. You don't know much at all. Really, as a child, five-year-old kid, what's he know? Then a 10-year-old kid, what's he know? A 15-year-old kid, what's he know? Well, a 16-year-old kid knows everything. But what a 20-year-old kid, what do they know? Well, they start learning some about life at 20 years old. They get married, have a kid, sober up. And then they're going up this funnel. They're beginning to learn more and more and more. Their knowledge is getting expanded. And as they expand their knowledge, they actually are able to see they have a lot more to learn. So the knowledge they learn helps them to realize that there's more to learn. That's it. And then you get up here to Dr. Grady McMurtry, which is coming here in January. He's one of the smartest men I've ever been around. In fact, he's so smart, he's hard to be around. Don't tell him that, would you? He's up the funnel a ways from us. But the more, the more you know, the more you see you don't know. The more you know, the more you see there is to know. And when we get to heaven, why would that be different? We're going to get to heaven and we're going to say, whoa, we're in the presence of an omniscient, omnipotent God. Wow. And we're going to get to know more. And the more we get to know, the more we're going to see there is to know. And it's been said biblically by by the theologians that there's no possibility to know all things about God because he's an infinite God and and endless knowledge. And so we're just going to keep learning all through heaven about God and about the universe. And the Bible says in Revelation chapter 22, his servants shall serve him. We're going to spend time. He's going to give you an assignment and say, go do this for me over here or go do that for me over there and you're going to do that. And they're going to come back and say, wow, that was phenomenal. He said, I got something else for you. It'll never end. Heaven's going to be phenomenal. People think you're going to be in heaven with some sort of harp and playing on a cloud. Man, that's not heaven. That's hell. I, I sing it. We have a song that talks about that. And I just sing it. I just go. The Bible says, but grow in grace and in the knowledge of the Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Why would we? Go to heaven and stop growing if we're supposed to grow. Even in the state we're in with the old nature with us, but we have the Holy Spirit with us, we have the Word of God for us, 
Uh, we have the blood of Christ that cleanses us, but yet we can learn and we can grow as born-again Christians. We can read the book. And how many in here would say you know the book and everything there is to know about the book? Nobody would. I've never met a scholar. I've never met a smart person who would say, I got it mastered. It just, the more you read it, the more God lets you see it and more uh, opens up to you and he opens your eyes to understand the scripture. And if that's so here, why wouldn't it be in heaven? Well, there is no sin. Why wouldn't we learn in heaven? We will continue to learn in heaven about deeper personal relationships with acute awareness of everything, with a mind of Christ and his nature. Will we have memory of things in heaven about this life? People ask me that often. Well, I think up to and a little way past the judgment seat of Christ, you will still have memory of this life. 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 13 through 15 is the clearest place in the whole Bible about this judgment for Christians. It says, every man's work should be made manifest, for the day shall declare it. For it shall be revealed by fire, and the fire shall try every man's work of what sort. That word sort means quality it is. If any man's work abide, that he had built thereupon, he shall receive a reward. If any man's work shall be burned, he shall suffer loss, but he himself shall be saved so as by fire. You know, it's possible that when you stand before the judgment seat of Christ, not being judged for your sins, but being judged with your, with your deeds, what you did with the light that God gave you, it's possible that we could be ashamed before the Lord Jesus Christ and before of all of heaven. 1 John 2.28 says, Now little children abide in him that we shall, when he shall appear we may have confidence and not be ashamed before him at his coming. The Bible says it's possible that people could be ashamed at the coming of Christ. I sure don't want to shame my Savior. I don't want to be ashamed. This is a troubling truth, especially to those who've wasted their lives on this world's goods and things that have allured them away from the things of God. Does heaven know what's going on here, people ask. I believe some things on the other side are apparent to them. Luke chapter 15, verse 10, Likewise I say unto you, there is joy in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repenteth. How do they know that? Jesus' words. How do they know that? How do they know when one sinner repents? Somehow or another, they do. Now, it says that they rejoice in the presence of the angels. That's an interesting statement. It means that angels aren't rejoicing because they don't know what it is to be saved. But we born-again believers on the other side hear about somebody getting saved. Woo! You Presbyterians will shout, glory to God. We're going to rejoice in the presence of God. Rejoice in the presence of the angels over one sinner that repenteth. Wow. Heaven must know something to rejoice. My mom and dad are on the other side. You're, some of your saved loved ones, you, in fact, all of your saved loved ones are on the other side that are, that are passed on. Elijah and Moses knew that there was a coming crucifixion on the Mount of Transfiguration. Hebrews chapter 12 makes it look like an arena, like we're down on the playing field and the, and the people who've gone on before us are in the stands in an arena observing some of, some of what. How much, we don't know, but they do know some things. It says it this way. Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about 
with so great a cloud of witnesses. Well, because of that, what do you do? Lay aside every weight and sin that does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is before us. I realize the primary application of that verse is the heroes talked about in chapter 11. I believe a text without a context is a pretext. I believe there's a context to things in the Bible. The primary application is obviously to those hall of heroes. He's talking about this cloud of witnesses that have gone before us and we can read about them, know about them. They encourage us. Why wouldn't my mom and dad be in heaven saying, why can those that have gone to heaven pray? Well, if you can pray now, why couldn't you pray then? Come on. You can pray under this environment. Why wouldn't you be able to pray in heaven? My mom and dad are conscious this very moment. They know Bill, Billy, Jimmy, and Louie are still on this side. How do I know that? Luke chapter 16, the rich man and Lazarus. Rich man dies, goes to hell, talks to Abraham across the great gulf that was a fix. That was actually Hades. And he talks across that gulf, and he says, hey, Send Lazarus back. I got five brothers who aren't here. How did he know that? Well, if in hell or Hades, he knew that his brothers weren't dead and definitely weren't where he was, how much more do people in heaven know whether you're there or whether you're dead yet? So if they know you're not dead, and my mom and dad know that Billy, Jimmy, and Louie are not dead yet, even though it's 81, 77, and 72. We're getting up, up in age, and their three kids are getting old. But yet, I, why wouldn't they be able to pray for us? I don't see anything in the Word that would stop it. I, don't, I, I just got this picture in my mind. You just forgive me for this, but I just got this picture in my mind. My mom and dad are rooting for me. My mom and dad are in heaven praying for me. Oh, may Billy finish well. Why not? Why not? I'm not saying they know everything you do. I'm not saying their picture here is real clear. I don't think that could be, I don't see that in the book. But I do see these, some of these indications. I do. John chapter 14, verse 16 says, I will pray the Father and he will give you another comfort that he may abide with you forever. Do you know who's gonna, who we're going to have to teach us in heaven? We're going to have the living word, the written word, and the Holy Spirit. Without the contradiction of our old man, old, old woman as the word say, old man or old woman, we're not going to have that contradiction holding it back. Oh, my, my, we're going to have a good time learning in heaven, aren't we? We're going to be able to be taught like we're not able to be taught here. Jesus, man, he speaks like no man ever spoke before. The officers announced in John chapter 7, verse 44, never man spake like this man. Why? And, and if that was true while Jesus was here, how much more on the other side? 
And when the road to Emmaus in Luke chapter 24, verse 32, when the, when the boys were, two boys were walking with Jesus, he was teaching them, and they said one to another, did not our heart burn within us while, we, while he talked to us, by the way, while he opened to us the scriptures? Well, if that was true on this side, how much more when the Lord Jesus teaches us on the other side will not our hearts burn with joy as he teaches us? And the Holy Spirit, who never is going to leave us here or there, teaches us and walks us. We got a good fun. Man, why wouldn't, every, why wouldn't anybody and everybody want to go to heaven? The heaven the Bible teaches us. I believe there's a, I, I, I close with this, Leviticus chapter 26, 12. The Bible says, I will walk among you and you will be your God and you should be my people. That'll be it. That's heaven. To be in the presence of God. To be in the presence of the Lord Jesus Christ. To have the possession of the Holy Spirit in, in us. And that's heaven. It's not the golden streets. Gold will be so cheap in heaven, it's made of paving material. It's not the diamonds. It's not the junk that, I mean, I'm not, I forgive my terminology about junk, but it's not the material stuff that we so value in this life. It'll be the invisible things that you can't hold in your hand that God's going to let you have in purity. Boy. Luke chapter 10, verse 24 says, I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see those things which ye see and to have not seen them and to hear those things which ye hear and have not heard them. But, in, but those in heaven will hear and see those things that kings desire to see and have not, kings have a desire to hear and have not heard. Heaven will be a platform of perfect, total, complete learning. Father in heaven, help us today to have a, some idea biblically of what you prepared for them that love you. What a horror it is if people miss heaven. The Bible says, If thou shalt confess with thy mouth, believe in thine heart that the Lord Jesus was raised from the dead for their sins, they should be saved. Will you trust the Lord Jesus today as your Savior? Even in your seat, at this very moment, if the thief on the cross could cry out, Lord, remember me when thou comest into thy kingdom and he be saved, I think you can be saved in your seat this morning. If the publican that went into the temple wouldn't look up to God because he's ashamed of himself and beat his chest and said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner, Jesus said that man went to his house justified, saved. If that could happen... And as he was in the temple, walking in the temple, un unwilling to raise his head to God, if that happened to him, you could be saved in your seat this morning. If you believe the Lord, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God that came to die for you, pay for your sins by his shed blood on, the, on Calvary and was raised the third day, and with all your heart, and as you best you know to do it, you say, Lord God, I repent of my sin and trust you as my personal Savior. Please save me. I believe you can be saved in your seat.
Father, help us this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.